98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. All right. You guys get me today instead of Aaron. Aaron's here. Uh, She's in a meeting. We, we don't always just have a ton of fun in sports radio. You got to go to meetings and stuff and do regular jobs. So we got things. you instead so you of her. So you got Jesse Morrison instead of oh, Aaron Maloney. I don't know about that. All right. I got But it yeah. is. It is I guess. lunch. And we're, <laughs> we're going to go through the latest topics around the sports world and the in the Arizona sports world specifically. All right, number one, the Arizona Cardinals received bad news following a second opinion on DeAndre Hopkins' knee injury. The star receiver is going to have surgery on his torn MCL in the coming day and is headed to the IR. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Hopkins' regular season is over, but if the cards advance deep in the playoffs, he has a chance to return. It's about a six-week recovery, so how big of a loss is this? Here's ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. It's an enormous deal because he's the guy in their offense that changes everything about how a defense approaches that, that, that scheme. And that no longer is there. If I look at a comparison to Green Bay, Devontae, Dallas has got their guys. Tampa's got their guys. I get concerned now with this offense losing their best yeah. player. So who do you all want to see from, more from in the Cardinals' offense while Hopkins is out? Well, you know, I'll, I'll go first, and obviously Zoe has the expert opinion on, on this, but I hate to say this, but okay, that's the hand they've been dealt. And if, if DeAndre Hopkins, if, if Ian Rappaport's report is right, and they they can reach the NFC Championship game, and Hopkins can come back, and he's in football shape and can maybe help them try to win that game, fantastic. But I think at this point, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, you've got to assume uh, you are going it now these last four games and the postseason without DeAndre Hopkins. A.J. Green clearly becomes your number one. Christian Kirk has to step up. Rondell Moore has to yeah. do more than the short, in the, 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 than aside the kind of the short screen passing game. And you have to kind of, Cliff Kingsbury's got to, you know, d- d- dive into that, that, that playbook, Zoe. Uh, he's got to scheme his way out of it. Now you got to look at your talent. You got to look at your weapons, and you can say, "Okay, here's what I have. How do I go out there on a Sunday and win a football game? Whether that be in Detroit this week or in the you know the divisional playoffs against Tom Brady, and yeah. figure out a best way to win a football game with that without DeAndre Hopkins. Can they do that? Of course they can. Are they as good of a football team now thanks to this injury? No, of course they're not. Does it hurt? Absolutely. Right. Well, selfishly, I want Christian Kirk to do a little bit more because he's on my fantasy team and I need to win the Oh, playoffs. here we go. You know what I mean? That's all. <laughs> I, you know, that's who I'm going to rock with. But, I mean, honestly, I, I definitely want to see more Rondell Moore. Early in the season, he was very explosive, made some critical plays. Um, and so I guess tied with Rondell Moore, I would have to say uh, want to see more from the coaching staff to make sure that he's prepared to go out there and play. I think there's – Something there, so coming up with a package that he knows you can trust him on and go out there and be dynamic because this kid can make plays, has great speed. It can definitely open up this offense uh, for this team because they're going to see some new defensive coverages. He is the Cardinals' leading receiver, too. Topic number two, but with the news of Hopkins comes the Larry Fitzgerald speculation, of course. So here was Fitz back in February discussing if he would ever return to football. 
Yeah, did I have a desire to continue to play and, and chase greatness? Uh, the only reason you play is to win a championship, and that would be the only reason I would you know, be participating. Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com. It asks, with DeAndre Hopkins reportedly out for the regular season, what chances do you give for Larry Fitzgerald returning? Your choices are he's coming back. I think he will. He might. It's 50-50. I doubt he will or no chance. What do y'all, what, which of those choices do y'all go ahead and <laughs> I hate to be bleak, but I'm in the no chance. Um, he may, he's going to get a phone call. He may think about it, but that's about as far as it's going to go um, based on the current situation where it's at and just being away from it for so long. I think um, it, you, remember, remember when Mike Tomlin was asked about the USC job? He said, never say never, but no chance. <laughs> right. I, I feel like that. Never say never, but no chance. I mean, I give it like a 1% chance. I just I feel like I mean so many different things have to be right here for that to happen. I mean, first of all, Larry Fitzgerald's got to want to come back. He's got to not only want to come back, but he's got to be physically able and ready to come back. He's got to mentally and physically be ready to come back. The Cardinals have to want him to be able to come back and play. There has to be a role for him. The Cardinals also have to think that Larry Fitzgerald coming back makes us a better football team. It gives us a better chance to win with number 11 out there than with number 11 not out there. All those questions, have the answer has to be yes for you to give it a try. And I'm not sure, not only are some of them the answers yes, I'm not sure any of those answers are yes at this point. I, you know, I, I, I don't know... If, if this is a a, a fit, he's he, he's an older guy. I, you know, I, I well, just slow I, down I, on older. I, hey, older know, guys can make some moves now still too. Now we can, you know, hey, we can figure true. it out for a couple of games. Not like it's all so Zoe, games. Does plus. this mean you're breaking news? You're coming right. back to play wide receiver for the Arizona yeah, Cardinals. If you, can play. Hey, if you if you turn on my turkey bowl footage, you may want me out there as the, as the number one. Line me up at X, baby. The number one. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. AJ I'll Green. Get you, I'll Christian get you Kirk, two. Please. I'll get you two catches. Yeah. I'll get you a catch. On third and Take one, top off two catches. <laughs> He's the number one. He's going six right. catches, hundred thirty-four yards, Easy. two touchdowns. Yeah. Easy. All right. Well, the anyway, that, that that's the way I see it. I, I never say never, but no chance. All right. Well, I, I would go. I doubt he will. I, I, you know, maybe he's just like, what the heck? I'm going to come back, but. I don't see Fitz as that kind of guy. I think he's enjoying, you know, his he's not really retired, but his absence from football. All right. Well, after less than one year in Jacksonville, Urban Meyer is out as the Jaguars head coach. Here's Trevor Lawrence. The NFL is just more drama in general than college, no matter where you're at. But you're right. I mean, there's been a lot. And, uh, yeah, to your point, I do think that has to change. And, um, you know, that's something that, we need to work on for sure. So you can't always be in the headlines. You just got to go play football, and that's where we're trying to get, and I, I have no doubt we'll get there. Your reaction to this news that broke last night? Yeah, well, first of all, the NFL is not more dramatic than college. Yeah. College, yeah, you're just able to control the message a lot better because you can't – I, can, I remember myself when I was 18, 19, 20 – Way more drama going on, but nobody cared. They, we kept it in house, right? Um, but it, he he made his own bed. I mean, he's had multiple chances to to correct his behavior, make better choices, to listen to people that are part of that coaching staff, obviously ownership, and he continued to do his own thing. 
Um, you know, obviously when you've had that type of success, people can fall into the thing like it's all about me and what I do. And so it's, it's not surprising. I thought this would have happened a couple of weeks ago or, you know, maybe three or four weeks ago now. Um, and, you know, Khan just finally said, hey, we got to cut our ties. Uh, I have the ability to do it and, uh, and be able to move forward and not continue to put this Jacksonville Jaguars organization in, in bad light. You know, Jesse and Zoe, we, we, we've seen this before. Coaching successfully in college is a different animal than coaching successfully in the NFL. It's not just about, you know, let me break out the whiteboard in the game film, you know, and scheme up some plays and, and lead men. It's a totally different animal, and, and guys that do it do it very well in college for a variety of reasons it doesn't always translate to the NFL. In fact, a lot of times it just does not. I mean, you look at national championship coaches that have failed when they've gone into the NFL. Urban Meyer was 2-11 and with the Jaguars. We know that. That just happened. I mean, you go back to Nick Saban's stint in Miami in 2005 and 2006. He was under 500, 15 and 17. And Nick Saban, I mean, Nick Saban was under 500 in the NFL. And he is by far now the greatest college football coach of all time. Lou Holtz, national championship in college, one year with the Jets, three wins, three in ten season before uh, he got shown the door. Bobby Petrino, not a national championship coach in college, but awfully good everywhere he's been in terms of leading a college program uh, to victories. His 13-game season uh, ended in Atlanta in 2007 with, again, only Three wins. So the way you manage a college program when you're the king and the almighty czar doesn't fly in the National Football League. We've seen it time and time again. Really, I mean, how many guys have made that transition? Uh, Pete Carroll. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't really know how many other guys. Yeah, have, Chip Kelly's. He he has a winning record. He's not in the league anymore, but he had at least a, he was over five hundred. Right, but I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> right. I mean, but guys that like. Oh, uh, and, and here's the thing. You and, call it. Um, Dallas, I can't think of Jimmy Johnson. Jim, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Johnson is probably the one yep. guy. Great example. Pete Carroll, even though, was in the NFL before USC and right. then went back, so he actually had an idea of what he was getting back into. But Jimmy Johnson, I guess, would be the gold standard of a guy uh, who is good enough and understood what it took to win uh, at both levels. Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Lou Holtz going, Bobby Petrino, all these guys. Whatever they do in college to make it work doesn't work uh, at the next level. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, become the Redbird Farms fan of the game for the next Arizona Cardinals home game. Just text FAN to 620-620 for your chance to win tickets and to be featured on the Jumbotron. That's FAN. To 620-620. DeAndre Hopkins will undergo surgery on his torn MCL. We've been talking about that. So uh, this news has opened the door for Larry Fitzgerald to return, or has it not? We just talked about it. We'll talk about it again. We're taking a break. Uh, Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander in for Luke and Wolf. It's Arizona Sports 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, good to be with you on a Thursday. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander in for Luke and Wolf as they get a much-needed day of respite. I believe Luke will be back tomorrow to wrap up the week. Poor vacation planning on the part of Luke Lipinski, by the way. You don't come back on a Friday. You ride that straight out through the weekend. Anyway, talking about DeAndre Hopkins uh, being out now potentially for the entire season He's going to have surgery on the MCL. 
in case you have just missed it or you're just getting into your car and you're not sure what's going on, let me just kind of update uh, you what what the latest reports are. And, and it's important because when I say reports, it's multiple reports, and they're both extremely different. Ian Rappaport reporting that D-Hop will have surgery on the MCL, but the hope is he could be back in six weeks. Six weeks would put him back for the NFC Championship game if the Cardinals, of course, were playing in the NFC Championship game. Meantime, Josina Anderson, longtime reporter in the league, who's extremely well-sourced with the players in the National Football League, reports that Hopkins will, in fact, have surgery, but the recovery time for surgery is two to four months, so he will be out for the entire season, including uh, the postseason, obviously. The Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, won't speak to the media again until tomorrow. There may be some clarity from Cliff Zoe. Historically, the way that Cliff has handled injuries, I doubt there will be clarity, right. probably a little more ambiguity coming yep. uh, from the Cardinal organization on this. I would think, though, maybe if Hopkins is out for the year, come a heck or high water, we would get that from the Cardinals, but then again, maybe not. Uh, so, you know, the question now is not only what do the Cardinals do and how does this affect him, but of course the 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 name that kind of blew up on Twitter and our own Dan Bickley wrote a quite the interesting article in terms of, uh, you know, what would it mean for, for the organization and the community if Larry Fitzgerald decided to come back in and, and try to help this football team win a championship. And right. there's a lot of different layers to this conversation. And right now, that's really all it is. It's a conversation because we don't know what the team thinks and we certainly don't know what Larry Fitzgerald thinks <laughs> about coming back to play. <laughs> right. So, but from a cut, but, but it's, but it's a wonderful sports radio topic. Yeah. And at last check, that's what we're doing. Right. Your yeah. thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I think in a lot of ways, he does give you the best chance when you think about. Um, some of the youth, especially on the back end, is he going to come in and be, you know, the dominant guy and be your true number one, like Hop, like everybody was depending on Hop to be? No, but can he come in and within his role still be productive? I, I believe so. You know, he, yes, can he? Can he? Can he still do what he did? You know, ten years ago, being the number one guy. No, but he's so smart, so savvy, has a high football IQ. Even if you put him in a slot, right, and I know he didn't have great success, you know, when we look at him and in, in relatively to what we expect from Larry, but in a small sample size, three, four weeks, I just got to go out here and be dominant. I don't have to try to pace myself. Because he has great football IQ, because he knows how to get enough separation or body position to catch the ball, he can do that. He's still a big receiver. He can still be strong and, and be able to block safeties and crack them like he did when he played. Um, I think – um, obviously, he's going to give this this, especially at home, the energy in that building will be even more um, uh, electric. It was electric Monday night, but yep. Larry Larry Fitzgerald walks on that field, and and if that doesn't energize you with the crowd and how they would support him as a football team, I I don't know what would. Um, and then I would say. He just gives you the ability to trust. You're going to trust Larry Fitzgerald maybe more than some of the younger guys in big spots. So collectively, if we look at all that, this thing is not no one thing that he's going to do that's going to be like, yeah, he's the best. But collectively, as far as who he is as a player, with his football IQ, his leadership, and then the additional energy you're going to receive from that crowd, I, you know, I, I can see how he could be that best option.
Yeah. Do you you have, now you have a good relationship with Larry, and so and, and I know you also don't want to speak for him. So it's going to be more your opinion. If the Cardinals were seven and six, and on the you know outskirts of the playoffs, no shot. We're, we're not even talking about this. <laughs> right. But the, the he listen he <clears throat> he knows that they're in play for the number one seed. He knows that if they finish four and zero, there is a chance they will be two home wins away from playing in the Super Bowl. He knows that. Yes. How much could that listen? If he if he's even on the fence, and the Cardinals organization would actually entertain the notion. Remember, this has got to be, I mean, both sides got to turn the keys on this submarine launch, right? The the fact that he knows that where the team is at, where their standings are, where their potential road to the Super Bowl is, if Larry is in fact on the fence and he's kind of in shape and he thinks he could do it, knowing that they potentially could be two or three wins from a Super Bowl, could that push him back into the locker room. I mean the, the the quest for that ring could that be yeah. a factor here so. It it has to outfact it has to outweigh his desire to maintain the quality of life that he 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 is currently experiencing not playing football. Um and the only way and the reason why I say that is is cuz I was, you know, approached a couple of times and I had to really think I want to win a ring. But is it guaranteed, and I may go through this and still end up without a ring and now have additional wear and tear on my body? Now, granted, it's only like a maybe a two- or three-game sample, so maybe that's what allows him because there's, it's such a small sample that, say, oh, well, I, okay, it's worth it. Uh, every one game, I can take it one game at a time. At the most, it's going to be three. I can do this mentally and physically. Um, and so I guess to answer your question, I think if I was presented something like that, like with Buffalo, like I knew they were going to be in the AFC championship last year. I, I, in my mind, I just knew it. That's where they got, but I would have been out. But having to endure an entire season, I wasn't willing to do that. But if they would have called me week or week, yeah, the same week right now, hey, hey Zoe, we just want you to be ready for the first round of playoffs, I could have got behind that, ran with that, that would have been a, a little easier for me to swallow as a player that's been away from the game to kind of jump back into that. So I, I, I definitely think the situation when he's being approached helps yep. with him be, be, being willing to jump back into it. Um, and we haven't even talked about the money side of it. That's, a, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's another hurdle <laughs> that you got to jump over. What does that compensation look like, brother? You right. know, at yeah, the end of the day. People forget about that Because he is a businessman. What is that <laughs> You calling me. I didn't call you. So that's another aspect that you obviously that we haven't really discussed either that's going to be a part of the situation. But I think just looking at it as a small sample size that I have to come back out and do, and it's a, it's a week-to-week, I don't mentally have to lock in for 17. It's just, okay, I just take it one week at a time. I could be done. Yeah. All right, now another week, okay, and then I'm in the Super Bowl potentially. So, yeah, I, I can see that help, helping. Yeah, and remember, we're not talking about four regular season games because clearly he's not going to play this Sunday and even – the following Saturday, Christmas night, right? That would be a long shot. So, I mean, we're talking about two regular season games, and then the playoffs, and that's if Larry would to make a decision, uh, pretty much in the next couple of days. But again, there has to be all the all these questions. The answer has to be yes to. Does Larry want to play? Is Larry physically able to play? Do the Cardinals? want him to play? Do the Cardinals believe that they will be a better football team with Larry Fitzgerald on the roster 
And can the economics of it be worked out? Every question I just posed there, the answer has to be yes. So a lot of keys have to be turned here uh, to launch this submarine, uh, number 11, back uh, into the Cardinals' fold here in late December. I can't even believe uh, we're talking about it. Anyway, text us your thoughts on the uh, potential return of Larry Fitzgerald to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, Urban Meyer is out in Jacksonville, so will he get another chance as a head coach back in the college ranks, Tim and Zoe in for Luke and Wolf, Arizona Sports, 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we're back on a Thursday. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander filling in for Luke and Wolf. Glad to be with you. Uh, today, or we are getting ready for the weekend. Fiesta Bowl coming up in about 16 days. Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. Last time Notre Dame was here in the Fiesta Bowl, they lost to Ohio State, coached by Urban Meyer. You wonder if Urban Meyer won't be coaching again in college football again soon after he was let go uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars late last night. Let's get into that a, a little bit, Zoe. You know, I find it interesting today. Uh, th- th- there seems to be a lot of national media types who either cover the NFL or college that are jumping on Twitter saying, uh, "Gee, uh, who thought this would work?" Or, or "Wow, big shocker!" You know, I don't, I don't remember those guys saying that when he was hired. Now, clearly, when you when you pull a guy out of the college ranks, and even though Urban was technically retired, he was still a, a college football coach. I understand history tells us there are some risks. But Urban Meyer's been a fantastic coach and winner everywhere he's been. You look back at the decision by by Jacksonville, you know, I don't think it was a terrible decision at first. Urban Meyer's been a great coach and a winner. Yes, he's been a great coach. It's just you, you've got to you got to think that they've he's always had baggage that's followed him. Florida, there were issues. Ohio State, there were issues. Right. Uh, so like, I there's there's always been baggage, and so that's why I think people are like, you know, right. But nobody but, spiking but, the football on this. Right. But people weren't spiking the football back when when he was hired. It was like, okay, let's see let's see if Urban Meyer can win at a ridiculous clip in the NFL, like he did in college. And then when it all unraveled, and listen, it's it's self-inflicted wounds. I mean, the guy was 2-11, and and there's a laundry list of mistakes he has made off the field in the NFL. I mean, it started with, you know, hiring the strength coach from Iowa, uh, the the Doyle character, who was fired from Iowa because he was racially insensitive to the football players. Right, but I think to your point, what you're saying is, is that, but Urban Meyer is who he was, or is who he is, He is who he is, yes. And so... um, that also occurred when he was at Ohio State, right? Different subject, right? Domestic violence. Yes, with Zach Smith, yes. Right? But though, so that his ability to understand or judge character, and he can say he didn't know, but we, he knew. You know everything as the king of the castle, right? Yes. <laughs> you know everything that's going on. And so it's this is, I think, what people are saying more, more to than, like, I knew this wasn't going to work. It was like, why did you expect anything different? Because this is who he's been no matter where he's been, whether it was at Florida and, and all of his players that had issues, whether it was at Ohio State and some of the the, the, the decisions he met, uh, uh, made as far as keeping people on that he knew what they were doing and what they were about. 
that same thing just replicated itself in the NFL. It's it, not. It's not. This is repeating itself. Right. He the, is, but the difference is, he just didn't win football uh, games, so now he's fired. <laughs> ex- exactly. I mean that. But that that is what it is, right? So, um, and we was talking about this, right? Re- winning is a cure all. Winning breeds tolerance, especially if I don't like you. But if you're going to win and, and make money from my, my, my organization, are you going to win and, and give me pride as a fan? I'm willing to tolerate certain things. Now, I mean, depending on who you are, that tolerance can vary, right? I think for me, if I was running an organization, some of the things that he's shown or displayed, I would never allow a guy like that to work for me. Yeah. Um, but some people's priorities are different where – I really need to win because I know what this is going to do for my organization. I know what it's going to do for my bottom line. And hopefully he wins so I can kind of cover this up and make it okay in my mind. And that and that's essentially what happened. And what's crazy is, yeah, you run the risk. But the character issues were worse than you thought they were going to be once he got there. And the actual coaching of the football was worse than what you thought right, yes, you were going to get to. It was a total disaster. Right, it's a couple of things working against him. I think being a, a coach from college, as we talked about, all the coaches that have transitioned to college yep. tend not to do well. I think because they've had great success, they think it's all about them and their scheme. Where the NFL there's, is, is much more about the player and winning one-on-one matchups and, um, and uh, adapting your scheme to what your players do best which I think a lot of coaches that come from the college ranks have a hard time of doing. Cliff has even had a little bit of a hard time. He's grown, though, in that, mm-hmm. right? We've seen him evolve and change some things, adapt it to make it good for his players. And it's not about his scheme and what he likes to do, but how do we put our players in the best situation? I think coaches that have had a lot of success have a hard time doing that. And then just his mentality of how he treats players, how he treats people. When you get to the NFL level – it's hard to control the narrative, unlike college, where you can kind of use your dominance and keep kids quiet. You know, I'm a grown man. I'm going to let people know, and things get out. And I think the combination of all that created this situation with Urban Meyer. And you have to, in the NFL, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but you have to lead men. You have to be a leader of men. It goes a long way. The men in that locker room... They may not they may not like you personally, but they have to trust you and they have to respect you. You have to be a leader of men. I think that incident early in the season when Meyer didn't go back with the team on the plane and then got busted with the cameras with the young lady in the bar. I think from that point forward, the, the Meyer lost the respect of the locker room, and I think it was it's been downhill ever since. And the only thing that could have possibly saved the entire operation is if he were not two and eleven, but you know. 10 and 3. And he wasn't. Right. So on, on top of all that, he's losing every football game he plays. He's acting like he has. He, he thought his college credibility was going to give him cover in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And for example, like, I, I don't think it was a big crime for him to stay there. Obviously, what happened when he stayed there was the issue, <laughs> yeah. right? If he was just hanging out with his family at home, nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever cared. Just the way you watch a film, you know, right? Belichick could, could do that every day of the week, but because of what he's done, he'd been fine. It's the. It's the other thing that he was doing, right, outside. Oh, this is how you're going to spend your time after we get lost? You're not with your family, just kind of relaxing, hanging back? 
Like, yeah. This is what you're doing? It was more about that than with actually staying back. Because I've stayed back with my wife after a loss, and we've hung out in the city. But it didn't make me any less committed to my team or anything. I think it was what he was doing in that time that was egregious, not necessarily staying back. And, of course, when you're a college coach and you and you lead young people and you, you are the king of the kingdom, right, you can – kind of lie your way out of it and nobody kind of questions you on it and urban meyer kind of tried to do what urban meyer does after that incident he addressed the team and he kind of gave them a bunch of bs and remember that report coming out after that and it came from the players of course where he addressed the team he walked out of there and everybody was laughing at him and he knew it and from that point on <laughs> things were never the same for for old urban meyer uh in, in jacksonville all right coming up next we're gonna get you ready for the suns wizards tonight with suns broadcaster kevin ray suns game day with k ray coming up next tim and zoe win for luke and wolf arizona sports 98 7 fm arizona's sports station Pass it in from the corner wolf and luke brings the boom bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. All right, twelve forty-seven. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, good to be with you, filling in for Luke and Wolf on this Thursday. Sons game day with K Ray. Sons and the Wizards coming up tonight. Sons back at home after that thrilling. Overtime win in Portland the other night, 111-107. DeAndre Ayton back, and back with a nasty 28-13, and and Chris Paul doing Chris Paul things with 24 points and 14 assists. Kevin Ray, always good to talk to you. Always appreciate listening to this segment, as you know. And now today I get to host it. What's up, my brother? Finally, some professionals on the air. (laughs) (laughs) It's right. You you know I had to take that shot at my guy Wolf and Luke. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. You know they broke they broke the glass on a couple professionals today, and uh, now we're just we're happy to be replacing the legends just for just for a short time. K Ray, how you doing, man? Listen, before we kind of get into even tonight's game, or even the, the last game specifically. I talked about this the other day, and I'm sure you agree because you're there courtside for every game. The the, the Suns the, the Suns are, are just a, such a joy to watch, and, and not because they're a good team. It's because they they come to play virtually every night. They don't they they never they never mail one in. They don't want to lose two in a row. It seems like they approach a December Tuesday night game like it's Game Six of the Western Conference Finals, and that and and, and that and and it, and it bleeds through the TV set. I'm sure you can see it there in person. I mean, these guys they're they're just they're a joy to watch and they're a joy to cover and they're a joy to cheer for. Well, they, they really are, and, and and I'm glad you brought it up because uh, a couple things. And you know, the other night um, they're in Portland. We're down on the court. Now, every arena is a little bit different for a variety of reasons um, as to where we our broadcast setup is. But we were right down on the court, basically just up from the Suns bench, and the guys would have to walk by us as they checked in. And it was just another glaring example of the absolute hatred of losing or potentially <laughs> losing that that just oozes out of Chris Paul and pretty much everybody involved with that team. And you're absolutely right. And, 
you know, beyond that, and I tweeted this out last night because I was watching a couple different games, and, and I sent it out as a Chris Paul appreciation tweet. <laughs> but I really hope, I truly hope that Suns fans are really appreciating and embracing what this guy is, how he plays, and what he has brought to this team. Because I watched two different games last night, and it was just mind-blowing and so glaring the way those games ended in the last two minutes and the players involved, the shot selection, the decision-making, compared to what we have seen on a nightly basis with this guy. And we enjoyed it with Steve Nash, and then it went away. And we all saw how that ended. So I really hope that fans truly every single night, whether you're in person or you're watching our telecast, appreciate what this guy does for your basketball team. Right, K. Ray. And along those lines, is it sustainable? And then what is the plan around to allow them to continue to be able to finish as this season, you know, approaches playoffs? And I know we got a long ways before we get there, but is this like pace and this mentality in this new world of basketball and sports, you know, is, is it sustainable? And if it is, what is the plan to, to allow it to be? I really think it is, though. And, and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day because, you know, we, we've talked about the marathon, the grind of an NBA season. And this year is, is, is back to the original grind of 82 games compared to 72 last year. And it doesn't sound like much, but it, it's 10 more games. <clears throat> but the reason why I think it is you know, sustainable with this group, you know, yes, they played, you know, all the way to the finals. So they had their season extended, but keep in mind, it's not as though this has been a collective group and team that it has played deep into the playoffs for, you know, consecutive years for three or four years. I think at that point, that's when you start really kind of wrestling with those, you know, game 33, game 43 of the regular season. I really think the way this team is wired and because there's still so much youth and desire to still prove everybody wrong, still all those naysayers out there that said they got there, you know, it was a fluke because this guy was out and this guy was out. And if they had this guy, they wouldn't have won and so on and so forth. So I just think that the way this team is wired and, and it starts with, with Chris and Devin, you know, they hate to lose more than they hate to win. And that really serves them well. You know, whether it's a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, a back-to-back, doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what, I, and I know where Zoe's going with that. If you approach a Tuesday night game in December like it is Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals, are you going to be out of gas come April? Because especially when you're when you're Chris Paul and you're approaching the age of 37. But K-Ray, if you watch every Suns game, and you know, like, like Zoe and I do, and you do obviously... The, one thing Chris Paul's very, very good at is he really he, he kind of takes the first quarter or two off from scoring the basketball. <laughs> yeah. You know, he kind of he's he's like he's like the I mean he's the ultimate closer. You know, he he doesn't expend a lot of energy doing that until it's quote unquote winning time. So in a way, it, you know, he's he's kind of yeah. he's kind of saving he's kind of saving himself in the first couple quarters of these games. He's the Muhammad Ali of the NBA, man, because he knows the fans pay good money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's also by design in the sense of like he wants to make sure his other guys are getting touches and getting a rhythm because he knows he knows that that he can get that rhythm immediately, um, save for the rare off night. Um, But.
But it was funny because the other night he was doing the same thing. And the Suns had built a couple different 14-point leads, but then they squandered it. You know, a Devin Booker apparently told him at halftime, he's like, shoot the damn ball, man. <laughs> you know, we, we, we need you. You know, we didn't know how much longer D.A. was going to play at that high level coming off of the flu. And, you know, he took those words from book to heart. But you're absolutely right. He, he understands and knows how to pace himself uh, along with his teammates, but doing it in a way that, he, you know, he's not taking something away from the collective team. And he'll expend that energy on the defensive end, but he's not going to work hard to get 10 or 12 shots in the first half of the game. Right. And, and you mentioned D-Book in that, in that answer. How are they going to approach or are they using this approach to him get coming back from this hamstring? And hamstrings, we all know, can be very tricky to maybe minimize how many games he's playing, kind of give him a, a break, maybe, and it, maybe even be extra sure that that hamstring is healed, understanding what he did with the playoffs and then going to the Olympics um, over the offseason. Yeah, and look <clears> – <throat> There, there's no doubt because you go back to last year and, and it's not the first time that books had, you know, a handy issue that crept up on him in, in the playoffs. And so that's why I think they are being extremely cautious and very deliberate about his return and his, you know, his work and getting back. Now, promising sign was he went through a pretty rigorous workout uh, on the court before the game the other night, working up a pretty good lather. So that, that tells me that he is getting closer. Um, he, he won't play tonight. We already know that. But when you look at the schedule, you know, after tonight, uh, you've got Charlotte at home on Sunday, and then they'll be at the Lakers on Tuesday. So I, I could see, I could see maybe, depending on how the next couple of days go for him, I could see him maybe trotting out there and giving it, you know, maybe a, a mild run on Sunday against Charlotte. But I'd be very surprised if we don't see him by that L.A. game because I think he and the team are really trying to get himself ramped up and to have some sort of a rhythm before what is clearly going to be a monster game on Christmas Day against the Warriors who, oh, just activated a couple of guys, you know, from their G League roster, you know, <laughs> by the name of – Clay Thompson and <laughs> and the former number one pick. So <laughs> right, hey K Ray. Before we let you get out of here, we must show some show some respect for the Wizards uh, tonight, seven o'clock. Give me a forty five second preview uh, of this game tonight. The Wizards coming in with a record of fifteen up, fourteen down. Yeah, they're coming in. You know, they they got it out of the gates. You know, like gangbusters. Um, and it was funny because DJ and I felt in just talking leading up to the season, we, we both felt that the Wizards. Uh, while a lot of people said that they, you know, that they were going to struggle this season, I just felt like they had enough athletes and enough guys who were in kind of proving years that, that they'll be in the mix. Now they have come back to earth. They dropped six of seven, but they got that dude, Bradley Beal, who, uh, plays at a, you know, a high clip on most nights. For whatever reason, he, he seems to bring his best with the sun. So the, the Suns are going to need to be on point defensively. Uh, the question that still remains, and I haven't gotten any kind of report, but Spencer Dinwiddie has not played the second night of back-to-backs, you know, because he's coming off the ACL last year. So if, if Spencer Dinwiddie plays tonight, that also presents another issue. But they got a couple of big shot blockers inside, so D.A. is going to have to be ramped up. Hopefully he's been able to get that body refueled and, uh, and ready for some physicality in the middle. All right, Kevin Ray, we look forward to another outstanding Suns win and another subpar broadcast with you. 
and EJ. No, I'm kidding, buddy. We, I know we, you, you know I love you, brother. Uh, K Ray. <laughs> Sounds good, boy. Good catching up to you. All right, man. Kevin Ray, we want to appreciate it. Uh, one of the best in the biz, uh, Kevin Ray. Uh, it is game day with K Ray. Thanks, uh, as always, for joining us here on the Wolf and Luke show. Uh, every day the Suns play uh, later that night. All right, we're taking a quick break. When we come back, can the Cardinals win a playoff game without DeAndre Hopkins? We're Talk about that coming up after the timeout. Tim and Zoe in for Luke and Wolf coming up. Arizona Sports 98.7.